0: Welcome to the shit show of my twenties. My name's Sophia. I'm in my early twenties, and man, has it been full of shit shows. <laughs> it's been great. It's been career changes, industry changes, pivots, highs, lows, crying, happy, everything in between, and it's been great. And I just really wanted to create the show to hopefully share with you guys that we all go through the craziness of our twenties. We all go through these shit show moments and we all grow through them and I hope that you're able to see yourself in some of these stories and if any of these episodes resonate with you I would love for you to share it with a friend as well as leave me a review on iTunes it really helps and if you want to connect with me my Instagram's the shit show in my 20s and yeah without further ado let's get going Today's guest is Krista. I love chatting with her. Krista graduated with a Bachelor's of Science in Nursing in 2000. She was immediately drawn to emergency medicine and was a trauma nurse for eight years. She was able to experience working in this field in hospitals around the country, including New York City and Virginia. Krista earned her master's degree in nursing from Texas State University in 2018 and is a board certified nurse practitioner in family practice medicine. She was a sole practitioner in a clinic specializing in weight loss, hormone balance, and aesthetics. During this time, she realized that the toolbox of what she could offer for health solutions was too limited for how she wanted to serve her patients. She wanted a better way to help women achieve lasting health results with that vision in mind. Krista began her journey with School of Applied Functional Medicine, learning the really the root causes approach to personalized health care. In August of 2020, Krista launched her virtual health practice and is now able to provide women around the country with help via webcam. So we go into so many incredible things in this interview from how we can tell that there's something off with our hormones, the different types of birth control, how stress can affect you know weight gain, and so much more health tips in our 20s. So excited for you guys to hear this episode. Let's get started. So thank you so much, Krista, for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to getting to know you. So I'd love to start tell me about your 20s. Feel free yeah. to include any shit show moments we might resonate with. Let's start there. <laughs>
1: I love it. Okay, so my twenties, I had just graduated college,
0: and I
1: start. I took my first nursing job in a trauma center, so that was exciting and crazy. And but you know, I was a nurse, and I decided I'm going to do some travel nursing. So I was living in Oklahoma in Tulsa at the time, and I moved to New York City, and that's probably where the shit show started. Right? It was amazing. It was super fun. <laughs> Uh, exploring the city, you know, bouncing around from different roommates and mid-20s, got married and left the city. And then the end of my 20s, I had my first baby. So I kind of, you know, I spent the whole decade was like my first job, a wild time in New York City, and then kind of settling down, getting married and having my first baby. So I did all the things in one decade.
0: (laughs) Wow. You did a lot. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you got yeah. a bit of everything. And I'm curious if you have one moment that was like a really big shit show moment, a really big growth moment, but in the moment it felt pretty hard. It felt like pretty it kind of threw you off in a way. What would that one moment be for you? Yeah, I think Hmm. for me, it was being very indecisive of what
1: I actually wanted to do with my life. And you know, kind of coming to terms with what what did I really want to do for that decade, and so as far as my career and my personal life, like kind of making that blend. And after I graduated as a nurse, I was like, nah, forget this, I want to go to med school. And so I did all of my med school prerequisites while I was working in the ER. I would kind of mixed both. Took the MCATs, did all the things, and that's when I was like, well, I kind of want to move to New York City. And then I was like, eh, I kind of want to marry this guy who's military. What am I doing with my life? You know, and I think it was like that crossroads of all the things that I wanted to do. And, you know, you take one road and it really impacts the rest of your life, honestly. Like, am I going to go the career path or am I going to go the the personal life path? And, I, uh, you know, you know, the end of the story, I got married and had a baby. So I I went that other direction, you know, And but I will say I always had a part of me that resented that. I resented that I married into a military um, situation where I didn't really have a lot of Choice in my career. And, you know, we'll fast forward to the beginning of my 40s, and I decided to go back to be a nurse practitioner. And so I feel like eventually I came back to who I, what I really wanted in life. But that was kind of a shit show moment of like, what am I actually doing? Am I going this way or this way? And, you know, you just make a choice, right? (laughs) Mm, That's hard.
0: Yeah. I imagine it's hard to like think what's like the better choice, but kind of wanting both, you know, you kind of want both of them, but you kind of have to pick.
1: Yeah. Yeah, if there's one thing that could summarize me in a nutshell, it would be I like to have my cake and eat it too. So exactly. when there are situations where you have to choose, you're like, oh my god, what am I gonna do? But you know, eventually, I did get my cake and eat it too. I, I did go back and expand professionally, but it took a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, wow. And I'm like curious, like going into like what you're doing now and like how you're helping people with like their health, their hormones, like how that all kind of stem together for you? Like, is this something what was kind of like the wake up call of like, this is something I really want to do? How'd you kind of like transition into it?
1: Yeah, well, like I said, I I always had this tugging pull and sort of that resentment of not expanding professionally. And so once my youngest child was in school full-time, I went back to educate myself and progressed there. And I got my first job as the sole practitioner in in a clinic where there was people in their early 30s coming in for, we did hormone replacement, we did weight loss. So I would see a lot of women coming in there, and men coming in there with a lot of fatigue, couldn't lose weight. And there was just something, something knowing in there. Like there's more that I can do for these people. And so I continued education then in what's called functional medicine. And that's really the study of root cause. Like why is this person coming in and she can't lose weight? Or why is this guy 32 and he has zero testosterone? Like what, what is going on here? And so instead of just band-aiding it, I looked into ways that I could really help it at the source. And so once I got that education, I just, I left the clinical setting to start my own virtual practice because that gives me the freedom to spend the amount of time I want with people to do the testing I want with them. And it draws people who are really willing to do the work to get to their root cause of their own health. You know, they prioritize their health. And so um, it's kind of been a win-win, but that was really the, the driving factor was I really want to help people. I don't want to just like give them a, a cookie cutter answer. So
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's great. And I'm wondering, like, if you were to say something about like in your 20s, your hormone health, like what's something we don't pay attention to in terms of our hormone health in our 20s? Like what sort of tips would you give like specifically for that decade to be able to put ourselves in like a better place in terms of our hormones?
1: Yeah, I think
0: one of the biggest things I see, particularly
1: with women in their 20s, is undiagnosed PCOS or endometriosis. So pay attention to your body. Like, you know, we tend to focus on our period being just like our cycle being just like when we're having our period, right? Like actually bleeding, but really most of the time we're not, we're doing other hormone fluctuations. And so it's important to focus on, are you having a lot of cramps? Are your periods really irregular? Those are all signals that something's not right. Cause really your period should be pretty easy breezy and pretty regular right? And so paying attention, I think is the first step, like really being aware and in sync with your body. And then birth control pills can really cause a lot of problems that we that we aren't really told, right? So taking control and take being empowered in your hormone health early on I think is important because that can affect downstream or down the road when you want to when you want to have a baby and you're struggling with vitamin deficiencies or hormone dysregulation because you've been on the pills since you were 16, right? And so looking into other areas of birth control for you, being empowered in educating yourself. Yeah, and for boys, you know, men, I don't know how many of your audience is men, but I found a lot of guys who who were in their 30s had low testosterone because they had had head injuries so football or falls on their dirt bike or using steroids or using testosterone to enhance things early like in high school and college where they really didn't need it and now their pituitary really isn't sending those signals and they're struggling to to create that hormone in their body so those would be the two biggest things i would say for men and for
0: women that i saw in my practice mm. What are like some more like warning signs of like maybe something's off? Like what, does it show up also like in our skin? Like what are some other ways too that we could kind of see like, okay, something's definitely off here.
1: Yeah, acne is definitely a signal. So if you've got acne, especially cyclical acne, where you're seeing that it happens certain times of the month, it's common, but it's not normal, right? So those would be signs that maybe something is off. And then again, going back to, cramps, going back to difficulty losing weight. If you're just gaining weight and you're really struggling with that, you know, instead of going into self beat up, get curious, like, well, what's going on? I'm honestly eating pretty healthy. I mean, if you are, Um, you know, as long as you're doing the work and it's not, it's not getting you results, that could be, completely hormonally driven. And that's where testing comes into play where we're like, okay, maybe, you know, PCOS can cause some issues that maybe you're not even aware of that you struggle with keeping weight off because it's all insulin resistant driven. So yeah, difficulty losing weight, a lot of fatigue, you shouldn't be struggling with a lot of fatigue in your twenties. Right. And so Mm. those should be signals. Like your symptoms are a signal to you that something's just not being supported the way it should be. Mm. Yeah. So those, those are probably be the biggest things. I mean, acne is, it's a problem. Um, but in your twenties, when you've now you've, you're out of puberty, that really should start to even out. And if it's not, it could be a signal of hormone or gut dysregulation.
0: Yeah. And can you go more into like PC, um, PCOS, what it is? Yeah. yeah. Like how common it is.
1: PCOS, um, stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome and, it really just means that they it gets that name, not necessarily because there's a lot of cysts, but a lot of immature eggs. And there are multiple reasons. There's actually four different reasons for that condition. But the most common one, I would say, is insulin resistant. And that means that your body is really putting out a lot more insulin than it needs to and which can lead to that weight gain. But that also drives the ovaries to produce more testosterone. And so that's where you can get more of the acne, you can be, um, you know, get hair on your chin or hair around areas that you just don't want it. (laughs) That's a pretty common, you know, like other girls don't have hair around their nipples or on their chin, like what is going on. And it could just be that your testosterone is too high. And the root cause then becomes kind of that insulin driver. And the focus then would be really eating foods, eating in a way that supports your body with helping that insulin resistance. So, but ultimately when that is happening to the ovary, it's not getting the hormones it needs to produce a mature, one mature egg. And so you'll see that in irregular periods because really what drives you know, the 28 to 32 day cycle is ovulating midweek or mid month. And so if that's not happening, you'll find that irregular periods. And so signs to look for would be the weight gain, the hair, irregular periods, or when you actually get a, he- a period, it's very heavy, mm-hmm. those kind of things, or, you know, even pain because you do have a lot of unmature cysts in one ovary. And so that can produce some, some cysts on the ovary as well.
0: Mm. And for if you have PCOS, would there be like a certain test that you would be taking to be able to tell if you have it? And like, would you be eating differently? Or is there like natural ways around it? Or is it something where you would have to go into like medication or? So the conventional model would say, go on medication, go on birth control.
1: (laughs) And that's not my approach. My approach is a lot more holistic. And so yes, testing would start with doing some blood work at certain days of your cycle right? Because our hormones do go up and down. So the key is to know where you should be at a certain day in your cycle. If that is off, then we know, okay, this is, you know, so I would look at blood work to look at testosterone levels, progesterone levels, something called LH and FSH ratios. That's follicle stimulating hormone and luteinizing hormone things you don't really have to pay attention to, but those would be numbers that I would look at and levels because that can give us a lot of good information. I also look at a fasting insulin. So first thing in the morning, what does your insulin look like before you've eaten anything? And then your average blood glucose. So when I put all of that together, it really can paint a pretty clear picture if that's what's going on. And from there, I would promote... You know, I'd really encourage you to be on a higher protein, higher natural fat diet and really cutting out sugars and carbs and sodas, paying attention to alcohol, that kind of thing. And then supplements, magnesium, zinc, super important for the production, healthy production of one egg. And so I, I like to use supplements like that To Sometimes there's, there's something called Chase Tree, Vitex, also can be helpful in promoting healthy ovulation because that's really the goal that we have when you have PCOS is getting you to be ovulating again so that you're regular. Mm. And by doing that, we're regulating insulin. And so you start to lose weight, you start to kind of be able to eat normal amount of calories and not hold on to everything. Makes mm. sense?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm wondering how big of a factor stress would be also on that, like on yeah. also holding weight. I feel like stress can also be yeah. another factor. Is that like another factor that's going to play a huge part? It definitely is because stress
1: puts us, so our brains are pretty archaic. Like they're still in that very basic fight or flight rest and digest modes, right? So when we're under stress, whether that's getting a new job, being in traffic, having relationship issues, the brain is still in that threat mode and that produces more cortisol from your adrenals. And cortisol tends to increase our blood sugar, right? Because we're in fight or flight mode. We need that blood sugar to be, you know, giving us that immediate energy. But when we live there for a long period of time, let's say months where you're in a bad relationship or a stressful job, the blood sugar goes up And your body gets more into that storage mode. That stress also, because cortisol takes priority over producing progesterone, which is a problem in PCOS. So women who are already struggling with that, and they've got a lot of stress going on in their life, can kind of perpetuate that whole scene in their body. And so stress absolutely can cause inflammation and kind of cause you to hang on to weight. And working out too much also, you know, there needs to be a balance with with the working out because working out is a stressor. But everything in moderation, right? So we want to be working out, but we don't want to work out to the point where we're doing two a days. We're spending, you know, two hours in the gym doing hit workouts. That causes kind of higher cortisol, which can also impede your ability to really be losing weight, which is the whole reason you're probably in the gym in the first place.
0: <laughs> I'm wondering, like, what's a good amount of time to work out then if you don't want to like over exert yourself? What yeah, would be, like a good. Um, I think listening to your body, but, you know, in your 20s,
1: sometimes you can overshoot that because you're like, oh, I've got energy. It's fine. I like to encourage especially women to do a good mix of cardio, of weightlifting and of like yoga or Pilates, something that's that's more in balance. And, you know, this is probably a whole other conversation, but I also like women to follow their cycle in how they work out and so to really simplify and really dumb it down since we're not spending the whole hour talking about this i would say week so if week one is the week that you start your period then week two and week three are really the weeks sort of right smack in the middle right around ovulation right around that time is really where you want to be lifting heavier and doing more HIIT workouts but the week of your period and the week right before your period, I would say focus more on longer walks or walking on an incline on the treadmill, doing that yoga class. Those, that's when your body and your hormones really need you to be a little bit more gentle and not overstress the body. And so condensing kind of that week two, week three, reserving that for more of the um, higher intensity workouts. And that's going to help you to work more with your hormones and not stress the body as much.
0: Does that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Do you do you align your work schedule too with their cycle? Or yeah. yep. Do you align how many things do you align? How do you like set it up?
1: You can align everything with your cycle. <laughs> the way that you eat, the way that you socialize, the way that you work out because we just if you've noticed and you start to pay attention this is what I was saying you know being aware is first step but kind of tracking and journaling how you feel and if you've noticed even that week before your period you're more like a hermit I don't really want to go out that's totally natural that's just kind of the mode that we're in and that's the mode where the week before your period you kind of want to just be wrapping up projects at work you know maybe you're going to be texting instead of going out to dinner with girls like or you know you're just you're just not really in the mode our period mode is definitely when we're kind of more that hermit we want to just like maybe plan for the month, but we don't really want to be doing events. That's also when we want to be doing more walking and iron rich foods because now we've, we're bleeding. And so we, those are, there's a very nutrient dense bleeding, right? Because our body, no matter if you want a baby or not, is planning on creating a safe space for a baby. And so there's a lot of um, minerals and vitamins in that tissue. And so it's important to start replacing that. And then, you know, that week two, week three, that's really where you want to plan speaking events. You want to plan parties. You want to plan all of those things. You want to get on the dating apps. If you're in the dating scene, like that's really where you're going to shine because hormonally, that is the driving force. You generally have more energy, can really complete tasks at work, do the job interview. You're going to feel more confident and your skin actually can look a lot better those two and three weeks because the hormones are just sort of on the incline, right? Mm -hmm. So- Yeah, and then a drinking tip, I would say, if you're going to drink alcohol, week one and week two is a better time of the month to drink. Week three and week four is kind of where we've already created all of that estrogen, ideally. And so the second half of the month, our body is having to detox it, right? Our liver is having to deal with that. And so we don't want to bombard the liver with a bunch of toxins, i.e. party drinking and all of that, to an extent, because we want to allow our body that time to really uh, metabolize it. So those are some fast and furious tips I have on cycle syncing to kind of blend it in with our conversation. But it is a passion of mine because the earlier in life, women can start to harness the power of your cycle. Oh my gosh, you can let go of so much of like that self beat up of why am I just a sack of crap right now? Like I'm not working out. I was working out so good last week. What is my problem? And really it's just the natural flow of your body. And when you recognize that, you know you give yourself a lot more grace.
0: Yeah. It's so much helpful to work with it versus against it, which is like, yeah, Yeah. it doesn't work well. Yeah. 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 And I'm wondering when you, when you like start to get your period, you start to get pretty tired. Is there Mm -hmm. anything specifically you do to like keep your energy up? Do you stay pretty tired or is there anything you kind of supplement during that time? Well, I would say for one thing, you know, giving yourself
1: grace, knowing like, okay, I am going to be a little bit lower in energy. My hormones are absolutely at the lowest right now. All of them, estrogen, testosterone, progesterone have all kind of plummeted. If you think of a roller coaster, like for all of, for your period to actually start, all of them have to drop. So acknowledge that, get a bit more sleep, go to bed a bit earlier. If you still have to get up early, you know, so to kind of flow in there, maybe schedule, if you're going to do once a month massages, do it that week, you know, just really go with your body. Also pay attention though, if you've got really heavy periods, that can lead to more fatigue. And again, heavy periods are common, but they're not normal. So pay attention to that. If they are heavy, then that might need some attention. But rebuilding, so adding that magnesium, taking B, a B-complex, so not just one B vitamin, not like just a B12, but a B-complex can be helpful. And then eating really nutritiously that week can help build, you know, all of those vitamins and nutrients back up in your blood, in your body.
0: Going back, you were talking about like, there's a lot of effects that come with birth control that we're not aware of, like we're not really prepared for. I'm wondering kind of what's your opinion on birth control and what what you would suggest with that?
1: You know, first and foremost, women in their 20s who don't want to have a baby, like we've got to prioritize birth control, but there are other ways to do that. Being in sync with your cycle, although, you know, it's not 100% effective, but there are other means of birth control. So I would always look for those first, but obviously we do need to address the need for birth control. And it's very empowering as a woman to be able to have those things. But when we talk about health, prioritizing other means like an IUD, particularly a copper IUD that doesn't have any hormones in it can be the most healthy because we want to have that normal cycle. When you're on a birth control pill, that's not a real cycle. That's not, it's at your brain is shut down from making the amazing estrogen and testosterone and progesterone flow. It's kind of this ups and downs, right? And we want to be able to harness that. It's kind of like um, our health bank for when we're in menopause later in life because estrogen has a lot of healthy impact on our brain and on our bones, on our cardiovascular system. And so it's it's very, very healthy for our body to have that. We're designed that way, to have these rises and falls of estrogen. The pill kind of just shuts that whole thing off. And in fact, a, a bleed during your pill is not an actual period. It's just you know, you're shutting off those hormones for a minute and, and you're bleeding, but there's not really any ebb and flow of hormones. So that can affect your mood. It also can disrupt your gut health, your gut lining. And so you are more apt to have more of a leaky gut, more inflammation. When you're on the birth control pill, it also depletes B vitamins, particularly B6. So if you are on the pill, I would highly recommend to take a B complex because when I have looked at women who are taking the pill, almost all of them are low in B6. But B vitamins work in a symphony. So I would always recommend a complex. So yeah, I could just deplete all of that. It can really affect the mood too, because progesterone, what's produced when we ovulate is a very calming hormone. It helps us sleep better. We don't ever get that when we're just doing the straight progestin, which is a synthetic progesterone, right? And so you really kind of stealing all of, all of that vibrancy that your, that your body naturally produces. There's also something called post-pill PCOS, which essentially just means the body is not clicking back in. And sometimes it can take six months or longer for your body to really start to be able to ovulate again on its own because you've shut those hormones down. And so there can be some downstream effects even after the pill with infertility, with gut health, and with vitamin deficiencies. And we're just not told that. I was never told yeah. that. It's just not something that that we've been told. And so if you feel like it's safe for you as far as pregnancy to look at other avenues, I would highly recommend, um, the sooner the better, getting off of the birth control pill and using something else. I also wouldn't fall for the whole, you've got to be on a pill for a condition, Okay. That's a Band-Aid <laughs> and there is a root cause to whatever condition, whether it's endometriosis or PCOS or just a lot of cramping. There is a reason that's going on. Sometimes, especially, you know, endometriosis, you need to be on it for a period of time until maybe they need to do surgery to really help clean some of that out. But I would say focusing on other ways to regulate the amount of estrogen and, and all of that in endometriosis, you know, I just would use it as a temporary help until you can focus on more root cause um, mm. effects of things. So if you are seeing a practitioner that just puts you on it for mood or for heavy periods, or for cramping, I-, I would say look for somebody who's going to look at the root cause of why you have that.
0: Yeah. If someone is having problems sleep, could that sleeping, could that be connected to their hormones as well? Or like w- what sort can. of tips do you have there? If like they have problems going to sleep. Yeah, it can. And sometimes,
1: you know, right before your period or right as your period is starting, because all those hormones are lower, you can maybe sleep a little lighter, having, you know, have a bit more trouble. That's totally normal. I recommend taking magnesium in the evenings for that reason. There's multiple forms of magnesium. I prefer magnesium glycinate, that form. So you can take about three to 400 milligrams at night. And that's a calming mineral, so that can be helpful. And I would also address stress. So if you just lay in bed and your your mind is going crazy, I would address some of that as well. Maybe focusing on breathing, focusing on some journaling, some nice stretching, you know, having a good night routine, not looking at your phone. I know we want to blame hormones sometimes for sleep, and yes, it can be, but there's so many other reasons. So that blue light from the phone really keeps the brain awake. And if you want to, if you want to be on your phone, I would say look at something that's not pissing you off or revving you up for one thing. And if you are going to be on your phone to read or something, I would turn the light down on your phone. Use blue-blocking glasses. That's going to help the brain get the cues that it's now you know it's the circadian rhythm we want to be in tune with. But hormonally, it can definitely affect it, especially if if your cycle's off. Right, you're not getting that that good push of progesterone. Blood sugar dysregulation can also be a problem there. So. If you find that you wake up between two and four, sometimes that can be blood sugar, that can be that cortisol like wake up time period. So if you're noticing like, oh my gosh, I wake up every day at three and I can't go back to sleep. One thing that you can do is maybe do a protein drink before you go to bed to make sure that your blood sugar is pretty stable throughout the night. Mm.
0: And I wanted to ask you, if we're like experiencing brain fog, what's some of the ways that we can recognize that is brain fog and it is coming up for us, and what are some ways that we can like think clearer? What are some tips you have there?
1: Yeah, brain fog is also a pretty common thing, so that can be multifactorial, and so we'll just kind of go through some of the most common stress is gonna is gonna cause that. So, addressing stress, how you can start to let things go, how you can start to set up boundaries so that you're not just burning the candle at both ends and really protecting your time. You know, that when work is done, work is done. You know, maybe doing some yoga stretches in the evening. The other common thing would be alcohol. So alcohol can really, it's a toxin to the body. And so paying attention to that and how, you know, a lot of times we want to we want to say, oh, it's something, This there's something crazy going on with my brain and really, it's sometimes basic. It's like, well, the beers that you had four days ago, because there was 12 of them is still affecting your brain today. I, you know, I mean, we have to be honest with ourselves. Like our body has to do something with that. And so that's a toxin. And oftentimes even midweek, we still have that brain fog because our body's still trying to cope with what we did over the weekend. That is kind of a compounding effect because if we're also eating trash food, that, that is a toxin to our body. So pay attention to how you're eating. I mean, you really should be the 80-20 rule. Like 80% of your diet should be natural foods, organic if you can, because that eliminates the pesticides that can affect our body as well and hormones that can dysregulate our hormones too. So any area, you know, any fruits and vegetables that you can and that you can afford to do organic, I would. And then cutting down some dairy, sometimes that can be a big to people who are lactose intolerant, who may not even know that they are, but brain fog, gluten. So, you know, talking about some dietary things here, gluten and dairy can be big impacts as well. So cleaning up the diet can be huge. The other thing is hydration. We, a lot of people don't drink enough water and I used to not drink enough water either. You know, you kind of, you wake up in the morning, you have coffee, you have soda at lunch, you have tea, whatever, you're just not drinking a good amount of water, so I would prioritize hydration because that also can be a cause of brain fog, and it's so basic that we don't even want to be like, well, "We're water," but really, most people need about 90 ounces of water a day, and a lot of people aren't hitting that at all. <laughs> so, yeah. so focusing on cleaner nutrition, you know, regulating how much alcohol you're drinking, and then the water, and then stress; those are probably the biggest things I would say are are drivers in your twenties and thirties for, for brain fog.
0: Going into the alcohol, how would you regulate it? Like how many, how much would you say not to go over every yeah. week or what would you do there?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's going to be individual for everybody because everybody's body has different capabilities and other factors that are, that are impacting their ability to detox. But, you know, making sure you're, you're being pretty consistent with magnesium and B vitamins can be helpful so that your body is able to detox other things in in life, but a good rule of thumb always is to have a drink and then have some water in between, right? That's going to slow it down. You have something in your hand. I know for me, being in a social setting, I, I'm it's just a habit. You want to have a drink in your hand, but soda water and lime looks a lot like a cocktail, and it's not right. It's it's more hydrating. So, you know, just kind of be be the DD and and commit yourself to that. You know, one night of the weekend. Again, it is going to fluctuate. From Some people really can metabolize alcohol much better than the next person, just like caffeine. Some people can have a cup of coffee and it doesn't affect them where the other person is like jittery all day. So knowing your body and then doing things like, you know, water in between, really hydrating ahead of time and before and after. I like to use electrolytes that can be helpful too. Maybe before you go to bed or first thing in the morning after you've been drinking, doing some electrolytes can be helpful to kind of replace some of that dehydration. When we drink alcohol, it shuts off a hormone that helps us retain fluid. Okay. That's why once you break the seal, you just keep going <laughs> because there's a hormone that's been shut off in our brain that helps us retain fluid. And so that also can really be dehydrating. So adding, adding electrolytes can be helpful just for some of that hangover feeling. Yeah. And then also I would experiment with, I did 90 days of no alcohol. That terrified me because I was like, um, how am I going to go into social events? And, you know, are people going to be asking me if I'm pregnant? Like, why is she not drinking? What's going on? And I don't necessarily say everybody has to do that, but I would challenge yourself to go to three events where you typically would be drinking and don't drink at all. And here's what I found. The beginning is really, really hard. You show up and you're like, oh my gosh, everyone's getting kind of buzzed and I'm over here like, and so it's hard at the beginning. And then it kind of peaks where you're really observant. You're like, wow, that person's going to have a rough day tomorrow. That person, oh, I would have been drinking way more than that person. How do they do that? And then there's that downslope. So the people who um, have been drinking kind of stop drinking because they know they're going to drive later or that's just their natural cutoff to drinking. And so it kind of evens out and and the conversation is flowing and, and you don't feel like such a, you know, this is strange. So I would say the beginning part of a party is awkward and then it evens out. And and then you wake up the next morning and you're like, oh my God, I did it. And I feel amazing today, right? So I would just say experiment because you can learn a lot about yourself and your relationship with alcohol and whether or not you really need it, or that's just a habit that we tell ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. It can be a powerful tool to to shift your relationship with alcohol, I would say. So challenge yourself to three events, you know, within three months that you're like, tonight's the night, I'm just not going to do it. And it's
0: it's an experiment to see. Right? Yeah, I love that. And I'm wondering, what is it about alcohol that I don't I I don't know if this is a common experience, but to feel so tired like not too long after drinking, what is it like about alcohol that like really like causes (laughs) that? (laughs) Yeah, that's an amazing question because it also answers
1: why sometimes we wake up at seven AM when we've been out since two or three and we're like, oh my God, I'm wide awake. I need to sleep because when we drink alcohol, it increases um, a neurotransmitter called GABA and GABA is a calming, we produce it in our body, but it uses so much of that GABA. It makes us tired at night. And then all of a sudden we have used up all of that GABA. And so we're awake and we're like, I feel terrible. And why am I not sleeping at 7 a.m.? right? Have you experienced that? Yeah. It's because you're low in GABA now and your brain doesn't have it. And so glutamate is the opposite. Glutamate is more of a um, excitatory neurotransmitter. And so that's why sometimes you feel a lot of that anxiety, that anxiety the next day. You can't sleep even though you feel like trash. It's because there's more glutamate going on and you've used up all of your GABA. Mm, it's kind no. of a it's a terrible, terrible thing. But yeah, <laughs> and some people are more predisposed to that. Some people don't have so much of that anxiety as others. And it has to do with that GABA glutamate ratio in your brain.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're all different. So in terms of like our gut health, is that connected to like our hair or hair thinning out? Is it connected to like how many things does our gut health show up in, in other areas? Well, gut health is pivotal. It's kind of the, the portal to the rest of the body to to
1: let the rest of the body know how safe our environment is, right? Because again, our brains are archaic and we haven't changed a whole lot in, in the signaling that way. And so when, you know, the way our bodies are designed is not to be eating out of a pantry with, you know, cardboard box foods. Right. And so, so our gut health, When we have poor gut health, meaning there's a lot of, I like to, you know, think of it as a fence, like there's little cracks in there because we need nutrients to go in and out. But when there's leaky gut, which is where some of those pillars are down, and there's more openings, more of the toxins from bacteria from, you know, all of that can be into the body and that causes inflammation. So when there's inflammation in the body that can that can show up as autoimmune disease, you know, whether that's your thyroid or psoriasis or eczema or more advanced things like uh, MS or lupus. So autoimmune oftentimes can be kind of boiled down to the beginnings it started with poor gut health um, but inflammation also comes with anxiety and depression it can affect our thyroid which can affect hair loss for sure so the gut is so pivotal to also our body's ability to absorb nutrients so if we don't have good gut health our body just really isn't able the gut isn't able to absorb the vitamins and nutrients that we eat. So even if you think I'm eating so great, all these nutrient dense foods, but you've never really healed your gut from antibiotic rounds, you know, even as a child, if you had strep throat a lot, or a lot of ear infections, and you were given a ton of rounds of antibiotics, that affects the gut long term, if it's never really addressed. And so that can affect your body's ability to absorb the nutrients that then affects your thyroid. It affects hair loss, all of those kinds of things. And so, yes, it's very pivotal to a lot of things in our body. In fact, I like to look at that first because it can be the root cause of a lot of symptoms that we wouldn't even off the cuff correlate them together. Yeah. Um, but really it can have a lot of the root cause as to why other things are going on with our body. Hmm.
0: Can your gut health be off, but there's no signs or is there usually some sort of sign or would we know if it's off?
1: Well, at the beginning, our body is really, you know, our our body's main drivers keep you alive and supported. And so it takes the slack for a lot of things. And so by the time you have symptoms, it's generally been going on a while. And so even without testing, I would say your body needs real whole foods. You probably need to be taking a probiotic, especially if you've been on antibiotics and you need to limit things like alcohol and things that really can tear up the the gut, like gluten and dairy. And do you have to eliminate all those things forever? No, but you need to have the 80, 20 rule. I would say most people and your body's so resilient. A lot of times in your early twenties and thirties, you're not going to notice a lot of things. It's a little bit, you know, late thirties, early forties where people are like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Well, this has been going on a while you've been drinking Mountain Dew and Doritos for two decades, you know more so in the men department than the women. But, <laughs> but, you know, I mean, it's like, well, your body was able to manage this for a while, but it's done. And, and now you're reaping the benefits of, uh, you know, all that exposure to toxins. So,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining the Mountain Dew and the Doritos. I'm like, oh, you know it's such true. a bad I mean, combination. You
1: know, it's true. People yeah, right out of college in their early twenties, like you don't have, you just buy what you can afford. There's not a lot of impact. So you don't, you're like, whatever I can do. I can eat and drink whatever I want. And, you know, on the outside, maybe right now you're tolerating that. You're not gaining a lot of weight. Great. But that will catch up to you. So uh, being healthy from the get-go is is important for your your future. Your future self will thank you for not <laughs> imbibing in all of the Mountain Dew and Doritos and, you know, the the beer bonging every weekend. Your body will thank you later.
0: yeah what's something you're excited about right now it could be anything in your life anything going on for you I am
1: excited one of my mentors is in Canada and I haven't been to Canada in years because you know the past three years really haven't been able to go up there so next week I am going to go up there for kind of a business conference I'm super excited about And the other thing in the business side I'm super excited about is I'm going to start offering in-person talks locally here on these kind of health topics, really helping to support women in kind of that 30 to 50 year old range where hormones get wonky. And um, so I'm super excited to start some in-person talks because I've been virtual forever, which I love because I can work with people all over the country. But there's something so amazing about being in the same room with people. So super excited about that.
0: Yeah, it's starting to get the get to the point where we're really like, we want in person. <laughs> like yeah. we're so done yeah. with like Zoom and it's all it's all like, no.
1: It I'm works, <laughs> but it's not the same. Like I wanna hug you and talk to you and yeah. yeah.
0: So yeah Yeah, it's completely different. Like it's good, it's okay, but like, yeah. 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 Let's do the real thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have a final question for you. If you were to go back in time and talk to your 20-year-old self, what would you want mm. to tell her?
1: Oh man, I think I would tell her take advantage of this time where you're just your own person. You can do whatever and really trust yourself to follow your dreams and do what you want to do. And don't be in a rush to become a mom and and do all of those things. That for me personally because, you know, this world is so amazing. Like the travel and what you want to pursue in business and and also just to trust yourself in all of that. And I would say on a final note, stop giving a shit so much about what other people think about you and just be your authentic self. Like really tap into who you are and live your truth and and not feel like you have to shape and conform to look or act or do the things that other people do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Learning that early on is so empowering and powerful for your life. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. And also cycle sync.
0: Okay. Yeah. That would be helpful. (laughs) Early on.
1: on. Learn to cycle sync early in life. Okay. I love
0: that. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. This
1: was great. Thanks for having me. I hope that your audience and you find all of my nerding out and sciencey things helpful.
0: I love it. (laughs) I love nerding out. It's the best.
1: my favorite so thank you for allowing me the platform to do that today (laughs) you're
0: welcome and where can we connect with you where can we stalk you where can we find you i'm most active on
1: instagram honestly i have a landing page uh, but connect with me on instagram my handle is at krista elza one word dm me there any questions follow me for the little tips and reels that i pop in on there so yeah i'd love to see you guys all there
0: thank you guys so much for listening I'd love if you can leave me a review on iTunes. Please feel free to share it with any friends you think the story would resonate with. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day.